definitely want to be guided throughout this process yeah. and have somebody in your corner who is who is looking out for your best interests and what it is that you know you want to accomplish as an organization for your benefits and for your patient population. I'm Kenzie McEvely, the producer and host of McGowan Braybender's Employee Benefits Podcast, Side Effects. Our guest, MB Director of Pharmacy Solutions, Dr. Jeff Eicholtz, joins my co-host Dave Homan and I for the third installment of our four-part pharmacy podcast series, where we discuss all things pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs. Dr. Jeff explains how to choose a PBM or vendor and what's involved in the RFP process. The devil is truly in the details, and he shares some of the gotchas when you're reviewing these contracts. It's incredible to see how far we've come with science and technology, and now pharmacy and medications are the most utilized healthcare benefit. Let's learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Side Effects. I am joined by my co-host, Chief Marketing Officer Dave Homan, and our Director of Pharmacy Solutions, Dr. Jeff Eicholtz, for episode three of our four-part pharmacy series. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Great. Good. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. Yeah. We haven't moved much. We've kind of just sat in this same couch, but yeah, we're, we're not being recorded this time. We're binge so. recording. So. We're binge recording. Yeah. So last episode, we did a little Pharmacy 101. We, we included some definitions, but also let HR leaders and execs know what to do at the start of an, a new year, which is what we are in right now. So um, what are we talking about today, Dr. Jeff? Uh, today we're going to be talking about how to choose a PBM or a vendor and kind of really what goes into what goes into that. Okay, so let's just jump into it. So walk us through the process. So I think that there, first of all, you've got to make the determination on whether or not you're happy with your current vendor, either being a carved in with one of the larger carriers or a carved out with one of the major PBMs, uh, or minor PBMs, as the case may be. Um, I'm sorry, can I interrupt? What's carve in and carve out mean? Sure. For so, our listeners and myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so carve in is referred to when you have your pharmacy benefits through your medical provider. So if you have Anthem uh, or United Healthcare, and they're the ones who are actually administering the benefit and making the determinations okay. around formulary coverage and using their programs. Carve out, you will, may still have Anthem or United Healthcare as your medical administrator, mm -hmm. but your pharmacy benefits might be through a separate PBM, such okay. as CVS Caremark, Express Scripts, uh, Smith RX, Epiphany RX, Navitus. There's about 80 different PBMs that are out in the market to be able to choose from. Okay. So does every employer have the option of carving in or carving out? Uh, they do not. And again, we level set a couple episodes ago mm -hmm. about this conversation is mostly going to be for uh, those employers that are 100 employees or greater. Even at 100 employees or greater, if you want to stay with some of the major medical carriers, uh, there are limits in terms of size um, on how large you have to be before they will allow you to carve out and okay. retain them as the medical provider versus going with a third-party administrator. Gotcha. Okay, thank so you for the quick definition, Complicates though. it a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So back to what you were saying about how to choose it. What do you, what's the first step? Yeah, so I think we see a couple of things that really drive having an RFP. Mm-hmm. First one is going to be pricing. Mm -hmm. And so you do want to put having an RFP on your to-do list, P 
periodically, depending upon your contract length Mm -hmm. and your contract terms, and not just accept their offer, right? So going through and having a PBM is really about scouring the rest of the market and making sure that the offer that you're getting from your current vendors is market competitive. Okay. So pricing is usually the big number one driver. Service, if you're having service issues, that's the number two driver that we typically see. Or if you want to be really aggressive in your benefit management and sometimes use a third party to administer some types of programs like specialty carve-out administration, those types of things that your current vendor is not going to let you do or does not want to easily let you do, that's another driver for for really doing an RFP. Okay. Okay, so... In quick review, the first thing you said was carve in or carve out. Correct. And then? RFP. RFP. Request for proposal. Okay. All right. I know. Hit me. What else do you got I know. You got your (laughs) PBM. Yeah. Pharmacy benefit (laughs) manager. We got three for three. So um, as we go through this, and so do you just go out and Google PBM RFPs? I mean, where... The brokers and advisors can help you throughout that process. And, you know, Dave, we went back to the first episode that we did in this series in terms of bringing me on into the organization is to really help the teams and help our clients facilitate this process. So I guess where I'm going is this isn't something for the faint of heart. Like if it's not something where if you're a novice or you don't have extensive background and expertise in this area, you can... Uh, you're you're almost better off not making any decision than making the wrong decision. You definitely decision. want to be guided throughout this process yeah. and have somebody in your corner who is who is looking out for your best interests and what it is that you know you want to accomplish as an organization from your benefits and for yeah. your patient population. So is it when you get those back, let's assume you get five or six PBMs to submit the the answers, is it like when you're looking through it then as the expert, is it like comparing apples to apples or is it many times apples to oranges or? We really try to make it as apples to apples as possible, which this is getting into what is the language that they're talking about, right? In terms Mm -hmm. of, we talked in the last podcast about the formularies and networks and those Mm -hmm. types of things, right? Like teasing into that second and third layer of, okay, they have a formulary listed, Is it a comparable formulary to the formulary that I'm on? Or are they offering me better pricing because they have a more restrictive formulary, but I'm not asking about patient disruption and member noise and impact, right? So it's an offset of that cost versus member disruption perspective that is there. But that's where getting into and having some an expert in your corner to help you compare apples to apples to get that bottom line price is Mm -hmm. important. And so when you're reviewing sample contracts from the different PBMs, what are you looking for? Or what are the gotchas or the things that send up red flags to you? It's really putting everybody on an even playing field in terms of are they restricting or making changes to the employer's current benefit? There are definitions that go into it, brands, generics, specialty. Everybody talks about specialty. Every PBM has a different specialty list. There's no defined definition mm-hmm. of this is a specialty drug and this isn't. There are general characteristics associated with that. So if you're looking at 
a specialty rebate, for example, or a specialty discount, how many claims do you have that are qualifying for that versus they're qualifying for a brand discount or a retail rebate mm -hmm. instead of a specialty rebate and really teasing some of those out and doing some of those comparisons. What's included in the discount guarantees and rebate guarantees and what isn't included in those? And is there a big claim difference that's associated with that? So we're really taking a mm -hmm. look at almost a claim-by-claim -claim reprice and bucketing them in your different contract um, options that you have yeah. and coming out with a bottom line price. So in order to, to get a realistic RFP response that you would feel comfortable with choosing, you've got to provide them with some pretty significant data so they can go through with yeah. it is, does the repricing take place at that stage or is it like when you get to the next level no so typically what happens is you get uh, a claim file that's blinded the phi is removed mm -hmm. you know there's um the ingredient cost that your current vendor has is usually not in there and they use that as a baseline and say well here's what this same utilization will cost you under our proposal and then your incumbent does that and all the other PBMs then do that as okay. well. And then you bring that back in and take a look and say, make sure that they all use the same assumptions, get it as apples to apples as you possibly can. And then what's really the bottom line price that's associated with it based upon the utilization, knowing that you're going to have changes, it's not going to be exact. Um, but that's the best way to currently do that. And then you can layer in any clinical program savings that you have really on top of that to help get into what is your budget going to be and what is your budget going to look like. Okay. So is there anything about the spread versus pass-through pricing? That was another definition I wanted you to explain to us. Sure, and that really has to do with how is the PBM getting paid? Okay. Uh, and where are they making their money and where are they making their revenue? And this is really, I'd say, evolved um, over the time of the PBMs, they used to be a claims administrator. Mm -hmm. um, and you would have an admin fee, which is what a pass-through contract has typically, okay. is that you're paying the PBM a fee for every claim that is being processed. Oh. Okay. And so back in the day, before spread pricing was popular, uh, <laughs> which just may not be anymore, <laughs> There was the question of, well, does that disincentivize the PBM for managing claims? Mm -hmm. Because if you need utilization to drive your revenue, or are you going to clinically manage as tightly, or are you going to let some of those things pass? Right. Right. And so that led to the advent of spread pricing, okay. in which the PBMs are paying the pharmacies something different than they're charging the client. So it's no longer based upon how many claims you're having. Okay. Uh, it's based upon negotiations with the pharmacy for reimbursement and then negotiations for the clients for what they're going to pay. And then whatever difference is in the middle, they're going to keep as revenue. I don't know how I feel about the negotiation aspect of that. <laughs> and this sometimes gets into a philosophical conversation and philosophy for each employer yeah. about do they care? Can you or choose? They try, you, you can choose. Okay. Um, you can often choose... As we sit here today and over the past couple of years, spread pricing is still the most prevalent. Now, wow. that could also be because three PBMs that have spread pricing have 80% of the market, right? But we've talked about data and analytics 
and transparency and access to data, it's much more straightforward mm -hmm. if you have a pass-through pricing model right. that I have this many claims, this is what the PBM is going to get paid. Um, typically, I think when we look at contracts and if people will pull up their pricing proposals, there's discount guarantees and rebate guarantees oh, that are I, in there. Mm -hmm. Those are typically higher in a spread deal than a pass-through deal mm. um, because they can put downward pressure on the pharmacies or the pharmaceutical manufacturers in terms of rebates in order to meet those guarantees. And so it's all being managed kind of behind the scenes versus being more straightforward. Wow, we have the T. Yeah. Are, are we talking little amounts of money or potentially very large sums of money? Depends on how much utilization you have, but I mean, it can be large sums of money that, that yeah. you know, that they're talking about. And we talk about the spreadsheet in the consulting world quite often, and that's putting those pricing proposals that are on there. And when you're looking at minimum guarantees, they typically win on the spreadsheet, but you've also got to manage the utilization and put those clinical programs in place and take that longer term view of your patient population to get off of the brand name products, potentially get away from some of the rebate dollars uh, and, and manage that utilization a little bit more tightly. So there's pros and cons on both sides of it, depending yeah. on what is the employer trying to accomplish? What's their view on managing from year to year versus a longer term view in terms of managing their healthcare dollars? Yeah. And the bottom line is it's very complicated. And I, I know that we've seen from time to time with our clients where someone else will contact them and just and it, with a very broad stroke, we'll say, well, we can save you 20 percent off your pharmacy spend. And hmm. they don't even know what that spend is, but they just know they can. I think what I'd say is buyer beware and make sure that you're asking the right questions or having someone ask on your behalf. Right. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to ask the right questions or have somebody on your behalf to ask the right questions. Uh, the 20% is a pretty common number. <laughs> uh, sometimes yeah. even on renewals, right? Like if you're not in a great contract or you've kind of been doing some of this on your own, there's probably 20% in there. Same yeah. with even your current vendor that is out there. But I think yeah. there are some of those um, PBMs out there that will put in additional clinical programs to help drive that. What are the restrictions that are around that? Yeah. Really asking about savings method methodology, guarantee language. You go through a pass-through or an admin fee contract are more than just their fees at risk, right? Like if you have a whole lot of utilization that's out there and they're offering a guarantee, but only based upon their admin claims. If you look at the clinical program and the savings guarantee associated with that, let's say it's $400,000, mm -hmm. right? And they say, we're going to save you $400,000. We're going to guarantee that $400,000 savings. But you look elsewhere in the contract and it says, well, we're only putting our admin fees at risk. If they're only paying $200,000 in admin fees, that guarantee is only really worth $200,000. Right. So make your decision on the $200,000, not the $400,000. Right. And you've it's oftentimes, the it's it, the devil is in the details. <laughs> that's our, that's uh, our phrase of the series yeah, right and now. Yeah, you, you have to be able to, to take a look at to really know where to find that um, or ask the right questions in terms of the methodology that's associated with it. So the buyer beware is a good tip for employers, but is there an, any others that you could give to employers who are managing this benefit? Any other tips that we can 
instead of just hiring Dr. Jeff, because you're ours. But <laughs> yeah. Listen to the podcast. We're going to ed- do a lot of education that's yeah. associated with that and be yep. able to kind of learn over time and, and be dangerous to ask the mm-hmm. right questions of those, those vendors that are there. Um, but really understand that this is the most utilized benefit that is out there, too, mm-hmm. for a lot of um, the benefits that you're offering. So you're getting you have the ability to have a lot of real-time feedback mm-hmm. um, from from your patients on things that are going well or maybe not going so yeah. well because they're using it, you know, really at a very long time. And we've only scratched the surface, I would say, mm-hmm. on some of the devil being in the details yeah. um, that is there in terms of looking at some of the, the definitions and really understanding some of that methodology. And so we could pick up other examples in future podcasts as well about really where to look and um, the right questions to ask in order to help manage um, the benefit more holistically. That still blows my mind, wrapping my head around. You just said it's the most utilized benefit. That Like, did you ever think years ago that you'd be saying that that's how dependent we've become to our lifestyle (laughs) medications that's how we manage our health now it is i mean it's popping a pill we're science has been great technology has been great um but we're all having healthier birthdays hopefully because of it right (laughs) and that the population is aging and with that we've uh Maybe not Kenzie. She's still pretty young. But the rest yeah. of the Dave, I'm looking at you now. You and I have yeah. uh, gotten to that point in life where things are a little bit more challenging and we can use yeah. a little bit of extra help there. And, yeah. um, you know, that's medications are an important part of that. So yeah. for for people that are listening that maybe aren't the decision makers, just the average Joes, are they utilizing their pharmacy benefit well enough or is there anything else they can do to make sure they're getting all of the benefits the bargain like they not just they have a contract in place how they make sure they're getting the most out of it yeah i think that it's not always the cheapest on insurance right Mm -hmm. and so there are different prices just like any other consumer good right that you have out there different pharmacies have different pricing methodologies the place where your current one is you know, the, the cheapest out of pocket may not be some of the other ones. I think we can remember that there were $4 generics that were out there and some chains would give free antibiotics and yep. that's kind of mm-hmm. to increase store traffic. Right. And so yeah. if saving money on your healthcare expenses is an important to you as an individual mm-hmm. versus convenience, pharmacy, patient relationship, there are resources out there to be able to shop in terms of some of the discount cards that are out there and GoRx right. and, you know, other types of things. So just be an educated consumer mm-hmm. um, and be educated on your health conditions and, you know, ask the right questions that you need to of everybody to make sure that you're taking care of yourself the best way you yeah. possibly can, as well as, you know, doing it cost effectively. Yeah. And I think then from the employer side of things, I, I, I think from what I heard from you and being a communication engagement person mm-hmm. is that go to those clinical programs. Are you really utilizing them? You're paying for them. What are you getting out of it? And then how are you using that to communicate and engage and get them to make smarter decisions at the time they're filling a script or deciding whether to fill a script? Right. And you have to stay in front of it, right? Like, I mean, you know, as well as anybody from a communication standpoint, repetition is going to be key. I think that, you know, people go through open enrollment, speaking as 
myself going through open <laughs> enrollment, and then you kind of forget about Put it on and, autopilot until you need it. Yeah. And when you need it, you're going to do the things that's easiest, and you're not necessarily going to think about it mm-hmm. as much. You're and I'm going to do your research then. It may not be the most cost effective. So, having a communication strategy to stay out in front of whatever message it is that a particular employer might have, or educate even on options of how you can check drug prices, where are some of those things, here's the benefits that we have, how can we, you know, save money even for moving from a brand product to a generic product. Mm-hmm. And that was one of yeah. the things that I enjoyed when I was in the retail setting is you'd, you'd have people come in and talk about, you know, difficulty affording medication and, oh, did you know about like this option or you could talk to your doctor about that. There are oftentimes other options that are out there, mm-hmm. um, have that conversation, but you've got to take some personal responsibility as a patient uh, to be educated about those types of things as well. Yeah, but don't put it, the worst thing you can do is just put it on autopilot and forget about it. The, but your PBM is not like it It was a decade ago. Right. It, you've got to approach it with the same intentionality as you do controlling your claims costs. Yeah, absolutely. Regular claims. Right. So. I was going to say, absolutely, There's there's new programs coming to market. Um, There's new drugs coming to market. There's new management strategies coming to market every year, at least. So you want to be sure that you're doing that check-in and asking the PBM or the carrier, hey, what's new? What do you have in order to manage this? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, ask them the questions because they're going to be on autopilot sometimes as well and be responsive to those clients that are asking them the questions that they need to pay some of the attention to, um, you know, so ask the questions of the account teams and your, and your brokers to be able to help educate you. So that gets me excited for our next episode, which is all about costs and pricing. And that's the number one topic that people are requesting. So thank you to everyone for tuning in to this episode. And if you have any questions about what Dr. Jeff explained, you can email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com. Or Dave at healthierbirthdays.com. Or Jeff at healthierbirthdays.com. And I will make sure that Dr. Jeff gets these questions. I will not be answering the questions. So (laughs) um, we can't wait to see you next time on Side Effects. And we'll be talking all about pharmacy pricing. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks, everybody.